Hello and welcome to the Way to Freight. My name is Ross and I'm a freight reporter with Argus Media covering the dry bulk market. I'm joined today by Barack Chetanak, head of research with Aero Shipbroken Group. Barack, hello and thank you for joining today. Sure, it's, it's nice to be here. Thanks, Ross. Absolutely. Uh, could you tell us first a little bit about your experience within the dry bulk industry? Yeah, sure. Um, actually, um, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer by education. So my first experience within the shipping industry was, I think that was back in 2004, five, where I worked as a planning engineer in a shipyard building small chemical tankers. Then um, decided that, you know, moving to a more commercial role would be more interesting that I did a CAS finance, uh, CAS, you know, business school, shipping trade and finance course, like many of the people in the industry did. And since 2008, I've been working as a ship, uh, shipping analyst, shipping economist. And my main focus area has always been, you know, dry bulk, although I do cover other sectors such as tankers, containers, and a little bit of gas as well. So, you know, I've been, I've been working as a dry bulk analyst, let's say for the best part of the last 15 years or so. Interesting. Was there anything specific about dry bulk that drew you to to this, you know, commodity trade over over tankers? I know you said you work with both, but well, not really. I mean, it's 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 always been interesting. It's it's very active, and um, you know, it's I guess you know the the the, the companies that I worked with or worked for were mainly active in the dry bulk industry, but I also find it quite you know attractive. It's very lively many different commodities to follow, many different regions, economies. So it, it always kept me interested within that space. And I guess with, with the nature of the, the businesses that I was uh, involved in, you know, that's the reason, I guess. It's a good question, to be honest. No one asked me that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm always interested. I'm, I'm a big fan of dry bulk, you see. So I, I, I like to hear people's stories uh, going into it. And I agree with you with the idea of it's a very lively market. Uh, and we, we saw this uh, just last week, really, with cape sizes uh, in the yeah. Atlantic. Uh, a lot of really big jumps, almost, uh, what was it, almost doubling the transatlantic dollar day rate, uh, you know, within that week. Uh, it was yeah. Extremely, extremely interesting. And I, I was wondering if I could ask you a little bit about the the reasons behind that push in cape size rates recently. I understand that iron ore inventories in China have been low. Uh, typically, seasonally, at this time of year, uh, stocks can get a little bit low. And I was wondering if this was something of a restocking or a replenishing uh, from Chinese traders pushing some of these uh, rate gains. Starting off with your question, I think you know the primary reason behind this this push that we've seen in the Atlantic was probably very healthy cargo volumes. Really, mm. um, the rainy season in Brazil is clearly now over. We are seeing very strong volumes coming out of Brazil, and at the same time, we have very healthy bauxite volumes coming out of West Africa. On top of that, we've seen you know a few and rising number of cargoes coming out from the North Atlantic, coal cargoes coming out from the North Atlantic going into uh, Far East, all of which has tightened the supply and demand balance in the Atlantic Basin. And I think that's the primary reason behind the, the increase in, in rates. Going back to you know iron ore stocks, yes, they are quite low, especially compared to, you know, compared to, you know, days in or you know, stocks in terms of days of consumption. We see stocks, you know, in nominal terms, they are about 127 million tons, but that's roughly about 27 days of consumption. And the long term average is about 28.5. 
you know, we see similarly low stocks of, you know, iron ore at uh, mills. Mills iron ore inventories are also about 17 days of consumption, which is way below the long-term average of about 27 days of uh, consumption. So there is, you know, inventories are definitely low, but at the same time, you know, we the sentiment in the sector, especially in China, is is pretty soft as well. So even though there must be that there are some there is some you know restocking demand that is helping to push rates higher. I think the primary reason was the healthy levels of you know cargo volumes available in the Atlantic. Interesting. With these cargo volumes, these were specifically larger cargoes uh, carried by cape sizes, because I know that with coal demand picking up, I know bauxite, these are cargoes that are very often go on uh, Kempster Maxes as well, in the Panamax segment. Um, but with rates in the North Atlantic for Panamax segment, we, we've seen them trending down uh, really for the past few weeks. Uh, uh, very, uh, we haven't seen the the rapid uh, rise in rates like we saw with Cape Size in the last week. Do you think that was an issue of oversupply uh, for the Panamax segment? Uh, any increase in demand uh, just being absorbed? Yeah, I think that definitely there's there's definitely an element of you know oversupply. I think there's ample supply in the Atlantic. Talking about Panamax specifically here, mm-hmm. which is keeping rates at bay. And also most of the, the the gains in volumes, cargo volumes that we saw were mainly Cape size cargoes, really. Um, iron ore shipments out of Brazil and also sure. West Africa bauxite, that's that's predominantly a Cape trade. So, you know, even though Cape volumes are pretty healthy, Panamaxes are probably just supported by, you know, some grains that are due to come out, you know, out of Brazil. So, yeah, I think it's a, a bit of both, really. For Panamaxes, it's probably ample supply and not such strong cargo, um, you know, cargo volumes. Sure. I've, I've been curious about that. You mentioned the grains out of Brazil. I know there's this bumper uh, corn crop uh, coming out yeah. of Brazil, this, this second uh, harvest corn crop, supposed to be just absolutely massive. Uh, and I've been hearing with uh, Chinese milling wheat, actually, uh, milling wheat or high quality wheat could be in higher demand this year from China uh, because a large part of the domestic wheat harvest was lower, uh, maybe feed wheat grade uh, after inclement weather uh, affected the quality. Do you think that we might see maybe a, a higher supply of uh, things like corn, for example, out of Brazil? Uh, do you think that there are less opportunities for sellers, uh, Brazilian corn sellers, to unload or export these these uh, uh, very large harvests uh, they're pulling with lower Chinese demand uh, coming up? Uh, I'm, I'm curious if you think that will still push Panamax rates higher. Uh, they'll typically be carrying these corn cargoes out of Brazil uh, if there's less Chinese demand in the market. Um, well, I mean... You know those those cargos. Most of them will 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 be shipped, probably at a different price. It's firstly it's it's a very strong you know crop. Um, sure. Out of Brazil, it's going to be a record year for for uh, Brazilian corn, and we still expect that to be shipped. Um, you know, a big chunk of that going into into Far East and into China. Um, but for wheat, as you were rightly mentioning, I think you know domestic you know production issues will probably lead to higher wheat imports into China as well. So overall, for now, at least it's looking pretty strong, uh, but we'll see how that develops, um, you know, going forward. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I wanted to to kind of change um, change our uh, discussion slightly here. I'm curious about uh, we've talked a little bit about some uh, factors that might affect Panamax, might affect Cape size, but for dry bulk uh, commodities, just in general, uh, we've been seeing the effects of serious uh, black swan events. These being, of course, the the pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. uh, first the the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, and I'm curious uh, if there are any potential black swan events coming up. I, I understand the concept of the black swan event is you, you can't really prepare for it. You're not really ready for it. But uh, just, just out of curiosity's sake, is there anything you can think of that would be uh, maybe detrimental uh, to or, or something that would pressure rates lower, pressure rates higher uh, in, in the near term? Well, I mean, it's it's as you say, you know, by nature, these black swan events are, you know, impossible to predict. Sure. But given the rising geopolitical tensions around the world, especially between China and the West, and also given the climate change and the the increasing frequency of weather-related disruptions within the dry bulk market, I think moving forward, we will be we should be prepared to see more disruptions, more volatility. Um, but again, it will be impossible to predict when these sure. will happen and in what sure. form they will happen. But if uh, you know, again, to, to highlight, I think geopolitical and and weather-related disruptions will occur more frequently moving forward, and if that will impact volatility. Absolutely. Uh, I think the the switch from I think right now we're going from El Nino to La Nina. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, I, I wonder how much of that is impacting the, the drought conditions that U.S. corn uh, is has been experiencing as of late. And so I think that's a very interesting point about uh, climate uh, yeah. change issues that are going to be a major, major factor. Uh, so great, great. And uh, well, uh, with that, I want to uh, just take a moment to ask if there were any kind of last uh, thoughts you had um, with this discussion. Are there any uh, other factors within the dry bulk industry you wanted to point to uh, or or discuss before we finish today? Uh, I mean, one thing that we we were looking at, you know, as I mentioned before, it was specifically for the cape size market, but we to a certain extent we we see that you know in other segments as well. Mm. I think sentiment is now playing a much bigger role in spot rate formation, which is quite unusual. Of course, you know we've always had you know you know, bullish or bearish sentiment impacting demand, you know, in, in various forms. But what we've been observing lately is that how quickly that, you know, negative macro news flows impacting spot chartering market. At the end of the day, spot market is all about how many ships there are versus how many cargoes there are. And depending on the balance, you see rates going up or down. But one uh, study that we did in in recent weeks uh, is that you know we looked at correlation of BDI with different you know stock price or stock indices and commodity price um, you know movements and correlation is is remarkably high. I mean, we look at you know China housing uh, you know stock index indices for instance. The correlation with the BDI was recently as high as 80, 85 percent. Historically speaking, it's normally about 30%. So I think, you know, what we are observing is that, you know, maybe because of the involvement of of these algorithmic traders in FFA markets who don't really look into the physical, you know, side of things, 
that that pass through of negative and positive for that matter news into the physical market is is much quicker and another thing that we observed is that yes fundamentals have definitely softened for the dry bulk market given the weak you know um, the west weakening western demand or and also softish chinese demand and yet you know rates should not be as low as where they are today we we expected them to be somewhat you know stronger so what that tells us is that maybe uh, in the east we might actually see some upward correction although limited you know we expect that to happen i think that's one thing to to you know to to highlight really um and that's that's probably going to remain you know that's because these traders are becoming a lot more involved in in shipping markets and i think that will that will increase volatility in in the paper trading which will ultimately impact the physical market interesting i wonder with that idea of sentiment affecting the market more now uh, I, I wonder how much of the so much of the discussion this year has been that uh, china's reopening its economy and of course, China is mm-hmm. a major, major uh, uh, factor when you when you look at dry bulk uh, commodity demand, uh, the, where things are moving. Uh, major importer of of iron ore, coal, etc. Uh, China is supposed to be reopening its economy. China uh, is going to any day now uh, introduce stimulus for the real estate yeah. sector, and we really haven't seen that stimulus coming. Uh, it's not really materializing. Uh, we're we're seeing kind of a, a slowdown uh, in some of these production uh, out of China, China's economy. And yeah. I'm I'm wondering, do you think that's the biggest thing, the biggest factor affecting sentiment? I think so, definitely. Domest- well, domestically in China, but also, you know, externally as well. I mean, I think, you know, you know to, to be fair, Chinese demand, at least up until recently, hasn't been that bad reopening when, you know, during the first three, four months of the year, Chinese demand or imports of dry bulk commodities were actually pretty healthy. But we started seeing weakness, you know, definitely filtering through. Um, moving forward, yes, I think you know it, it will have a major impact if if the Chinese authorities decide to do a, a, a you know large stimulus. Now, I think what they've been trying to do is they've been trying to avoid the mistakes that they've done in the past, in the sense that you know when whenever there was a downturn. Uh, they used to bring out these big guns and do a major stimulus, which would obviously benefit the dry bulk market hugely. But also, it came with 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 lots of issues, right? You know, debt levels in China are just ridiculously high, both on a, a local government level, but also on on a on a state wise. Um, so I think it, it, policy makers are trying to avoid that, avoid the mistakes that they've done in the past. That's why they've been, uh, you know, more measured in their approach to stimulus this time around. But the way I see that is, you know, moving forward, clearly domestic demand is is weakening, and now external demand is expected to soften as well because of the slowdown, anticipated slowdown in the West. So I think they will end up having to do a, a sizable stimulus, which, in my view, will impact um, you know, demand, both sentiment, but also the actual demand for raw materials as well. To be fair, I think in domestic, you know, if you look at you know Chinese consumer confidence indices, they are at a very depressed level. So in order to change that positively, I think they need to surprise the market, but also consumers as well. Um, so that's that's our baseline, you know, um, you know, case scenario, if you like. 
I think they will progressively increase the amount of stimulus that they introduce into the market. And ultimately, you know, it will be large enough to surprise the market and also benefit the dry bulk sector as a whole. Interesting. Okay. Well, I want to uh, thank you again, uh, Barack. Again, uh, I'm I'm Ross Griffith. I was speaking with uh, Barack Chetanak, head of research with Aeroship Broken Group. And uh, thank you so much again, Barack, for, for uh, joining us today. Sure, it was a pleasure. Thanks, thanks for inviting me, Ross. Absolutely, absolutely. All right.